let's start by introducing our guest, T-Ball, uh, who is our, one of our first starfish and uh, almost single-handedly saved my ass uh, in 21 when, when the project management started to become too much of a almost impossible for me to handle alone because we we had just uh, completed the Dutch Bitcoin standard and new titles were racking up and there were teams opening in in Telegram left and right and it was just too much for me to handle alone so Thibault stepped in as project manager and and thank you for that by the way and uh, started growing from there and is now co-managing the company with me and the beautiful part about that is that there was no really it was there was no job application or interview or anything like that it was pure proof of works from start to finish uh Thibault started as a as a translator in in the dutch team first and then once there was this uh, need for more management uh, he raised to the occasion and that's that's kind of like in a nutshell how the starfish organization operates but yeah, let's let's hear from Thibault. Uh, what's your experience been like in wor working for Consensus Network and this uh, whole Starfish idea? I should start with uh, a bit of my background, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe you could tell a little bit about why you got involved, how how you found us, and and. Uh... Well, yeah, I I don't know if I was the if I would call myself the first Starfish. I was involved in. Um, Dutch translation of the Bitcoin standard. I don't fully remember how I got involved there. I assume Twitter posts uh, they were looking for um, volunteers to uh, to work on that. Uh, but there were that was the third book, I think. There was first the Finnish and the Portuguese version. Yeah, if I remember correct. And also the timeline is a bit unclear in my head. That that was during 2020 but the book the dutch version launched in december of 2020 and i was uh, at that time i was writing a bit for my uh blog that i started maybe i should go back a little bit more but how i how i found bitcoin and how we ended up here right to, to be yeah there. yeah i mean um well, why don't you back up and and tell us uh, your Orangeville story? Yeah, it's not super interesting or anything, but... Um, it's always interesting. Uh, I have a background in macroeconomics and finance. Started working for a big four auditing firm as a consultant in 2017. You know, no, it was 60. The official title is consultant in the, in the risk department. It was very related to uh, all the thing banks. A bunch of different projects. Uh, I worked in the Netherlands for uh, about a year or two. And it was during that time that I had a lot of time living uh, in a hotel. Uh, that was during 17. It was a crazy, crazy market, right? Uh, during spring. And I got interested. There were there were two stories that uh, one I had one colleague there who he started investing sixty euro a month in, with a couple of friends in uh, 
in a whole bunch of coins, right? <laughs> there was another another colleague that, um, that did the same, but they just saved money with the with the idea of creating a bit of a fund and then doing more doing something fun with it. So I put those two together and started doing that too with seven of us, seven uh, of my friends. Started saving twenty euros a month per person, not not huge amount, but that was good to like avoid all the traps during that period. Yeah, classic story, right? Mm. It was super hard to avoid the uh, all yeah. the shit points during twenty. Yeah. And she didn't really know enough about me uh, understand why it was all bullshit. But there was something there, like I knew there was something there and I had to study and you just continue reading a lot of podcasts. Half of the time didn't really understand what they were talking about, but you just persevere and it becomes more clear. Yeah. Bear market uh, in 2018, but I just started reading more and more about why Bitcoin, the only one that really matters. It's a process. It takes time, right? Then in 2019, it took four years before I started running my own node, early 19. But by then I was, all the reading just changed my thinking and I couldn't really continue doing what I was doing. So I, I quit my job in March, 2019, really the depths of the, of the bear market there. I started reading a lot, writing and traveling also with my uh, now wife. I, I wanted to do something with Bitcoin, but like so many people, it's not easy, especially with the skills that I had. They didn't really add value in Bitcoin immediately. If you're not a developer, it's hard. Then it was already 2020 and somehow started translation of the Bitcoin standard only had a small part in that. And then I saw there was a project manager that, that was there for three days at consensus and he had to go, he had left after three days. And I thought, okay, this is something I can do. Let's message uh, Nico. And um, yeah, now I'm here. Um, been an interesting uh, journey since then. With, uh, there's a lot left to be done with, uh, with consensus. Yeah, that's a pretty similar story to mine, actually. And and I think a lot of a lot of people have similar stories, orange pill stories. But the interesting point to me is that you actually quit your fiat job and and fiat life, as as I understand, the same way that I I quit. Well, I quit my fiat life a little bit before uh, I tried a bunch of different things before landing into consensus network. Like I, I started two different uh, starfish organizations uh, with with bunch of other people, and we were kind of like finding the way of how how to do this like properly. And I, I guess by accident, uh, consensus seemed to work out because everybody just focused on doing what they liked instead of trying to make it like top down. And, and have like a finalized idea or product in mind. Yeah, things things go 
the way they go and and then uh, you you start to focus on just the things that are important to you and and then other people who resonate with that idea just like you did join in and, and start doing the same thing and and i guess that's how you start a you don't really start a starfish organization let's put it that way uh another one was we economy which is like an everything app like a marketplace or almost like an ebay but on bitcoin economy that you could just list your products or your services and and trade them for bitcoin it was a very ambitious idea and project and it still hasn't been done by anybody for a good reason probably because it will get shut down in no time it's very difficult to um, have some kind of uh, bitcoin trading platform without getting into into a lot of trouble so that we, we couldn't make that work either a lot of a lot of uh, good ideas but uh, without implementation idea is uh, pretty worthless in a way so i, I guess but what we both saw in in translating bitcoin books and the bitcoin standards specifically that's how how we got started was to let people know what we knew what we found out and and there's a lot of lot of interest in this like you wouldn't think that translating french books into french languages would be a a good business idea but that was that was just uh, the business. I, I guess the business was not the the first thing in in our minds. It was just getting this information out and providing a valuable service, and that's that's what we're building on. It's also important that you get some feedback on what you're doing. Like I said, I was um, starting uh, my own blog. I was an anonymous uh, profile writing about Bitcoin. Not that much people reading it, so that was a welcome change. That uh, in the translation of the Bitcoin Center, you're working together with other people, and, uh, and I think that's something that Consensus Network offers all these different people working alone. Maybe they they can we can bundle forces more, and, and people can can join a community of people who are already doing that, writing about it, translating stuff. So, and I was also uh, at that time doing a lot of self-hosting in, in the Bitcoin ethos, trying to set up my own next cloud. Um, my node I had already set up during it, but, uh, and then when I started project management, I thought, yeah, I can do more here because I, I, I noticed that uh, you were a bit overwhelmed and you brought in a lot of different people. There were like nine, nine, ten people uh, helping out on different aspects. And yeah, I thought I can, I can do more in here. Um, first few months I, I paced myself a bit and I was only doing the, the projects, trying to limit my time. But then in March of uh, last year, I just said, I just, want to do more here and, and, and start contributing pretty much full time. Uh, and I think that's, that's an important thing that like, it's a bit of a hurdle. If you want to work in, in with space and on, on Bitcoin projects, you often just have to start and 
not like there's a, an interview and you get, you get a, a contract with a salary, right? It doesn't, doesn't really work like that, especially not with a, a startup organization, like, uh, like consensus, like growing a lot and not that much budget for a lot of different roles. So yeah, so you, you have to build out your own niche a bit and, and try to add value wherever you can. Yeah, it takes a lot of a lot of faith to to go full time in something like this when you know, we all have bills to pay and when there's no certainty of any kind of salary, uh, you either have to have like a, a side income or a fiat job or or something, which is which is the case for most starfish. I, th- I think we we have kind of like a lot of uh, people doing some freelancing or, or just uh, helping out on their free time. But there's not many who do this full time. Maybe maybe only the two of us. And yeah, I, I think it takes a very special kind of a mindset to see the value in in accumulating kind of this reputational reputational informational capital that is going to pay out in the long term. It's not only about altruistically just sacrificing yourself. It's more like building something that is is lasting like a company that uh, is going to create future uh, cash flow so it's a big risk of course and then to be able to do that you have to fully believe in the mission and and believe that we can make it work and that there will be a a lasting demand for for the service which i think we we both share uh, that was my idea from the beginning like Bitcoin interest in Bitcoin goes up, the number go up, and well, then people want to learn more about this topic and, and read those books and to make them available in in languages, uh, different languages, because not everybody is uh, good enough in in English to be able to fully understand those uh, original books that are very important. I mean, personally, I I read books only in English, but uh, I I still started uh, specializing in translation because I, I i want everybody to have access to this knowledge and and i guess that's the core of of um, what we're doing still to this day even though we are already expanded into english titles and a bunch of other stuff um but yeah we i i definitely want to want to keep keep that uh, the translation as as a core value and the localization of the content as a core value of, of the company uh, going forward as well. Even though some of the translations, they're not going to make any money anytime soon, maybe, maybe in a long enough run. But yes, we are, we are far, far away from any kind of mainstream adaption for Bitcoin, let alone Bitcoin books. Like people in general don't, don't read books, uh, nonfiction books anyway. So it, it is kind of like, um, could be very hard to see the the value propos- proposition unless you've you've gone through kind of like the, the the thought process that that we both have and it's rare to find people like you and that's that's why it's, it's so great to find like-minded people and for me personally it's the best crowd of people that i've ever worked with and i don't want to work with anybody except bitcoiners anymore like it's uh, there's there's no point to me in doing that like you can always make a case that because Bitcoin price is low, 
I would be good to mine fiat and be in a fiat job and, and keep stacking sats. I don't blame anybody who, who does that. It's a very reasonable thing. But yeah, I, I applaud anybody who, who sees the vision and, and thinks that this is an even better use of time than simply stacking sats to, to stack the reputational capital and to stack the sort of sweat equity that we, we are running on and then in the hopes to cash, cash in that later. I mean, we are not a non-profit, even though we're, we're currently, uh, technically we are a non-profit because we're not making profit yet. But that's not the goal. Like it's it's just uh, like a, any startup. You know, it takes time to build out. And I think what we're building here is is starting to be pretty resilient. We have more than sixty titles under our belt now. Rule for one in in uh, uh, two thousand nineteen when I started the company. So the library is expanding. The library is always going to be there. It's static content that w- that we poured our time and sweat into. And if, if you believe that Bitcoin is going to make it, and even if it doesn't, we'll still have a, a publishing business that can be repurposed to something else. So it's kind of like, a, you know, stacking this reputational capital and sweat equity instead of, of Satoshi's. And if you can see that it's, it's more worthwhile to do that, then that's, that's your choice of action. And, and. Yeah, like what, what I like to say about this uh, holding Bitcoin versus wielding Bitcoin, this is this is the definition of wielding Bitcoin. So investing your time and resources and your, your satoshis into something that you think is going to bring a big, bigger return one way or another uh, in a longer time horizon. What you said about re- repurposing um, the publishing business, I think that's an interesting question. I thought about two. Let's say we're right about this and go to a future where Bitcoin is the money. Then you don't really need Bitcoin information. Because like the goldfish in, in water, right? It's just there. Everyone needs the Bitcoin. So how does consensus look to you? In, in that world well in that like let's say that we go to in some kind of uh, a bitcoin standard I, I think the demand for bitcoin knowledge is is still not going to go down because there's always going to be more people new people new people are born every day right i mean within 20 years there's going to be new people who's going to want to learn about bitcoin and it's how the technology works Granted, that's not ever going to be the majority. Like most people, I don't believe ever are going to be interested. Just like people are not interested how internet works. They're not out lining to get books about how, how internet work, protocol works or programming or any, any of that. However, some people are. And, and once it becomes mainstream, that amount, that pool of people, no matter how small the amount of from the total people in the world, that that might be it. It's still uh, a viable business. It's just going to be still a fringe literature compared to something like Harry Potter or or you know that kind of books or Lord of the Rings. We're never going to be be there necessarily, but we're still going to have specialized books or, on specialized topic that is going to be mainstream. So so there there will be in in that case if if Bitcoin succeeds, 
but I always like like to remind people that it's it is possible that Bitcoin doesn't succeed. So I'm also planning for that. And well, my bet is that books they have been around for quite a quite a long time. And they have a huge Lindy Lindy effect. So I, I don't think knowledge consumption in that form, in book form, is going to go anywhere anytime soon. It, to me, it makes makes perfect sense. It's like it's a win-win situation with consensus network because even if Bitcoin doesn't work out, we still have the publishing house and we can still publish books about economics or whatever, uh, you know, like Austrian economics, which is something that I'm looking to expand to. Um, more kind of like self-help books, how to how to uh, increase your your freedom and and your uh, liberty. How to how to kind of like exit this fiat life. What are the tools to use? And and books are great uh, tools uh, to accumulate this kind of information. And no matter what happens, there's always going to be information that we want people to have and that people need. So in that sense, like there's only, it's just a matter of, of us adapting into the challenges in, in the future. I mean, we already have built a pretty solid working company in publishing books. And it's, uh, I guess, a long enough time horizon, which has become another publishing company, but with a, with a very important a difference is that we operate on the starfish principle, which is not nothing new. Like it's it's not like uh, we invented this concept. Like it's uh, it's a lot of companies, like Amazon included, started as a starfish organization. And by the way, if, um, you you should check out the a book called Starfish and Spider: The The Power of Leaderless Organization, which was uh, one of the most influential books that I read. And then that's why I started all this. Um, I, I tried to make it work uh, in, in different projects because I realized that even in my fiat life, I was already that kind of uh, starfish leader. I, I always uh, led my teams from the trenches, like from within and not from top down. And I found success in even in my fiat life with that method. I just didn't know what to call it. It, it, was, uh, it was always there. So I, I think that's something very fundamental to human action and human cooperation and division of labor to focus on the um, your specific skill set, what you're good at, and and then uh, inspire others rather than command others. And uh, I, I realized my role um, in the world, not just in Bitcoin world, but in general, is a is a catalyst to to provide these uh, frameworks that that i think are good uh, that other people can use and then grow into in into this uh, organization by using their their own uh, uh, specific skill set like for example you you can come from a project management and and a financial background so you have a specific skill set that you've accumulated and now you can put it into use in in this kind of a starfish organization and probably several others uh, going forward so I, I think that's going to be not only for this uh, specific company, but in general, in the future, I think the future of businesses and companies is going to be much more distributed, much more, maybe even somebody might say chaotic, 
but it's it's not like we lack hierarchy. Like hierarchy is always important uh, in in a company to be able to know who is who is going to be in charge of which part of the operation, so that we don't just always uh, like in a boat. We we don't want to be rowing in different directions. Everybody's rowing in the same direction, but uh, they, everybody has a different role in the in the boat, so to speak. Well, it's also the natural consequence of the overview that you have of the information that you have of all the facets inside Consensus Network right now in the publishing business that we have right now. Like, and we don't. I think we need to do a better job at communicating all the different aspects better. We focused a lot on, on translators and reading everything. Um, and that's what we know. But like you said, everyone has specialty. Then I think there's a lot more that um, Consensus Network can do and that we need help with and that we can build out more aspects of the web, like audiobooks marketing or local local connection bookstores there's a lot lot to do right and we i think we need to need to try and start communicating that better or uh, this year it should be a priority uh, for us and something i'm going to focus on and yeah it's hard it's hard to see i think it, the, the the same like Bitcoin growing as more sort of underground network. I have a similar feeling with what we're building here with consensus. We built a network of people in a bunch of telegram groups and that's the strength of, of consensus, but it's not visible. And yeah, I think it's just the start. That's the most important thing that we have. We have a sort of like a machine that and well oil and uh, we we're just a platform that can connect all different people that want to do something and um, yeah we i think we've come a long way already and i'm looking forward to uh to this year what uh, what we have uh when we can start i think this year we will be able to uh to expand a bit more and show more of those other aspects yeah yeah that's one one reason for this podcast to shed some light on how we actually operate and and to give the stand also to other other starfish and and hear their stories and my my uh vision is that i'm successful once i've made myself unnecessary to the operation like it's it doesn't mean that i'm ever going to leave the company or or anything is too important but I also don't want, want it to be depending on me. Like if anything would happen to me, then I want the, the company to go on. And that's, that's a very important part of the Starfish organization. The, not only the resilience, but actual anti-fragility. So it will just grow stronger over time. And with ad, ad, adverse adversity, it will, it will, um, like a starfish, when you cut it into half, it becomes two starfish. So whenever we have challenges, we just adapt and, and reassess. And yes, it's uh, maybe maybe sometimes uh, 
chaotic or it can be slower than than in a top-down spider organization which is very clear and very efficient in when when you have a clear goal but we don't really have a clear goal like our goal is to further education in this specific topic right now but that goal may may have to change with, with the times we can't hold on to it uh if if things change um, i mean nobody knows the future so if if we're not able to evolve around it and develop around it then then we're going to fail and then we will become just another spider organization and i try to avoid that but but yeah of course uh, we we do have a kind of a spider organization because we still live in the fiat land and and we have to have licensing and and contracts with the with suppliers and and so so on so we do actually do have a company but yeah i don't know maybe maybe in the future that becomes less relevant like i would say like if if i wasn't into publishing i would probably never even start a company like uncorporated uh, bitcoin companies are are my favorites and you can probably do that with a software project but we are still working like we are very heavily tied to meat space and meat space is almost completely tied into the fiat world so we kind of a bridge also like you can think of consensus network as a, as a bit of a bridge between the fiat world and the bitcoin economy or bitcoin world where where we uh, bridge these two together in in a way that allows more people in uh, to move slowly away from fiat because it's not like a, a overnight thing you just decide that okay i'm done with fiat i mean i guess for some people it could be but a lot of people are heavily invested in in the fiat life they have families to support and and to be able to earn a living wage on bitcoin is tough uh in a, in any kind of a company right now but yeah that's that's the direction we're going yeah just because of the physical nature of books right have those but in principle for content the contributors that translate and make books for the part that's not physical don't really need company but of course yeah for the physical book you need to have to meet a situation but I think there we also we're, we're also really growing a network of like-minded hubs or we're working we're working a lot with bitcoiners actually for distribution more and more in different countries so we're also really building building network to distribute this so if we ever want to somehow uh, it becomes impossible for us to uh, to operate in in fiat world uh, we would still have those connections right that's another important part of consensus that we need to keep in mind and design decisions i guess that we we also want to be ready for that yeah definitely like we we always want to be a few steps ahead of of possible deplatforming in, in any form like for example amazon amazon could uh, could deplatform us and shut us down or our uh, our meat space distribution partners can can decide to deplatform us uh, both of those things have happened in past so uh, yeah it's it's something that we we are working on building this meat space distribution network of our own like that's that's the, a long term goal definitely 
So then we we can't be the platform. And and it, like one thing is the physical books, but the information of those books it's already kind of decentralized and it's in multiple on multiple servers and computers. Like the the work is done already. Like um, all of the books are stored in. Uh, well, right now they're on my my private GitHub, but in theory. I mean, we have some intellectual property uh, fiat things to worry about, but in in theory, we could make all of those books and all of those translations open source and and take pull requests for for them from from the public. And and in that case, anybody could keep keep doing this. And then you know maybe one day we'll have our own printing operation somewhere. Um, which could be shut down, sure, but it's it's going to be increasingly difficult if if we have uh, more these distributed hubs, like you put it, these starfish hubs. It's kind of like Bitcoin network; like you can't really go and bomb every node to to eradicate Bitcoin. Like you would need some kind of like a solar flare event or an, a global EMP to to shut down all the nodes. And and even in that case, that's when we go back to like these physical books because those are actually already printed and they're around. Like to be able to destroy what we we build and what we created will be immensely difficult task, if not impossible. A very actionable way to help further Bitcoin adoption. Already another when you on your own writing articles about Bitcoin. Don't really get feedback on it, but now you see books being printed. They go in the wild. Mainly, you may not read them, but at least the information is out there, right? But one, yeah, one thing I do struggle with a bit sometimes is um, the li- the licenses. You know, we talk about okay, someday maybe want want to open source that, but that's not entirely clear in my head that I will then um, move to such a model and how that would work but yeah and falling down the rabbit hole it's also side rabbit hole where intellectual property everything should be open source right so i think yeah we should we should start with that and already uh see what content we can make available as as free content yeah, definitely. I mean, there's there's already authors like Gigi, for example, who who did the twenty one lessons open source from the get go. Like, like he clearly gets it. And I think more and more authors are are going to go that way. Like, there's no reason not to. Yeah, of course, everybody wants to wants to get paid for for their work in one way or another. I guess this goes back to the whole idea of reputational capital and. For example, these bootleg copy copies that are going to be available of every single book, like you can't stop it. Like you can't stop information. You can put in place all kinds of uh, DRM, like digital rights management tools for for ebooks. But it's it's never somebody's going to circumvent that, and it's going to be out in the open if the book is good enough, of course. So I, I think it's just a, a matter of time, uh, a switching mindset. Right now, we, we still have to accommodate the wishes of, of the authors. Like if they don't want the book to be freely available, we can't really overrule them and, and do that for them. But maybe, yeah, you're right. We, we should start pushing for it at least and, and make that option available. 
And like I said, I've, I've been already saving them in in uh, in a kit, GitHub. So uh, technically, that would be possible today to open source all of our books. But practically, uh, we we need to onboard and and make sure that everybody's okay with that before we before we do that. We can't just decide to do that as a as a publisher. And uh, yeah, of course, another thing is that some authors have already signed contracts with with traditional publishers. So then we are in contract with those publishing houses, which are oftentimes these really uh, dinosaur-style uh, spider organizations who are protecting their intellectual property really carefully. And it's it's just one of those fiat things that are going to be increasingly fading away. But uh, yeah, at the moment, we are kind of like trying to bridge the gap between open information and and uh, providing good enough service that we can actually get paid no matter if the information is available for free, which it should be, in my my opinion. Like, I, I think it's not taking away from the from the business model. It's actually adding to the business model because similarly to like pirate software, like uh, I've I've always been a, an advocate of, of pirate software, even though I... Uh, at the moment, I use a lot of paid software too, and that's kind of like the whole point. Like when you when you're starting up, when you're starting a new business, or you're, you're young and and uh, you know you're dropping off high school and you want to start doing stuff, you don't really have any any money to pay hundreds of euros for for licenses. So you get a pirate software, and then you you learn your trade and you become really good at it. And then one you start your business, and then well. You probably want the latest updates, and you want the latest latest software. So you and and you have the cash flow uh, to pay for that. So that actually uh, feeds into into the business model in the long enough time horizon. So I think this kind of like intellect guarding intellectual property is kind of counterproductive. And uh, but it's 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 a uh, it's a long process to to get over that. And to for people to see the the long term value because if you make a software you make a book free right away then of course the immediate thought is okay nobody's going to buy this nobody's going to pay me for this I'm just going to make it available for free but especially for books I think like what we are offering is is uh, an experience a service like you get a physical book it's different like it's not that you you can't get a physical book for free. And uh, even for ebooks, we offer uh, a service like you. You can get uh, get it downloaded very easily through a platform and, and read it on your device instead of finding it uh, somewhere for free or reading it on a web page or a PDF. It's a different service, and audiobooks are, are also the same. So I guess um, some kind of a service model for books in, instead of like simply selling the physical or or uh, electronic books uh maybe maybe a little bit more about the the software that we use because that's something that you've been working working hard on and, and developing like i i started with only using open source software um well partly out of necessity because um didn't have any money when when i started and uh, partly because of the ideology that I wanted to to use, I didn't want to use uh, Google and Microsoft and Apple software. I I wanted to use those ones that are are free and open source. And I think uh, the open source tools are getting really good. 
they're they're still not at the productivity level of like the spider organization produced tools which is what we currently use because they're just more efficient uh but there i think there's a lot to be said about that development as well and uh you know like you mentioned the next cloud before like we were using that instead of google drive for for sharing the work and and collaborating and there are a bunch of other other um software related developments maybe you can go into that a little bit yeah i i like it the, the next cloud um i don't know if everyone uh, else Using it or super happy with it. It takes a bit, a bit more effort to um, to really not. People are used to to their Google products, right? Um, and they're yeah. We have to be honest. Uh, they have a good product, right? But I think we need to be true to the ethos of Bitcoin. Like I said, what I was I was spending a lot of time um, when I started last year on. Just doing that for my own, on my own, and I just saw saw opportunities, and also because of the nature of our organization, we have a lot of a lot of people. Software, the paid software, just becomes prohibited. So we're kind of forced to look for those open source tools. There's also other parts of our business where we, our our web shop we made a different choice. So it's a, it's an ongoing process. I, for my personal life, I noticed that I kind of go in phases. Sometimes I focus a lot on only using the open source version. But then, yeah, I have to be honest that I think my productivity sometimes drops a little bit. So then I go back a bit, but bit by bit, you know, I think the software becomes, becomes better and you have to use the tool. Right. Yeah. I mean, you have to pick your battles to some extent. Like, uh, I, I also had to start use Adobe software because of the productivity increase. And in like, I don't, I don't say that spider organizations or, or centralized software is bad per se. Like that's, that's how you get a top, top tier service, right. With, with a centralized party in charge and developing it. But there's caveats that you need to be aware of that. Like, for example, when you're working with sensitive data and you don't really know how they handle it and you don't know what they, what they do with your stuff. So you got to be aware of those things and moving forward towards Bitcoin standard. I think what we're going to see is just better, better centralized companies, like better custodian services, better software companies that are going to be providing better better alternatives because the open source software is so powerful now, like they won't be able to compete with that. And the only way to compete with that is just simply providing better service with the, with the upsides of, of open source software. So maybe a centralized company can make their software, uh, which a lot of companies do already to make their software open source, but still keep, keep it, uh, keep developing it like a centralized uh, company and just providing a, a better service. Yeah, there's a role for consensus there, I think, too, as a, sort of an aggregator of, of the content, because yeah, that, that's part of what we do, right? You're somewhat curating or aggregating content, but yeah, then uh, I also wonder, like, what is the difference between aggregating, curating and censoring? 
Well, we, we've, in the past, we've had our ship coiners uh, reach out to us that want to get their book published, right? But yeah, and we're, we're, we're censoring that basically by saying, yeah, sorry, no, yeah. do that. But I think that that's, uh, that is somewhat, that, that is a role that I see for consensus in the future that we, that we are somewhat of an aggregator of, of the information that we think is, is important that we want people to read. But yeah, I don't know. It, it's not the, I don't know if I'm really super comfortable with that, with that position right now. Like at least not on my own. Right. Yeah, I, I get what you mean. Like censorship kind of has this bad ring to it for a good reason, because usually it's, uh, means that we're, uh, some, somebody is trying to suppress some information and make it unavailable. And I think what a lot of people confuse is freedom of speech versus moderation or curation, like, like we are doing. So like, for example, consensus is a, is a platform and plat the platform has moderators. It's a, it's a private company, just like, for example, Twitter, like Twitter gets, gets blamed uh, for censorship all the time because it's so big. It's the time, uh, town square of, of the internet. That's, that's what they say. So, so people confuse this like freedom of speech and the rules and the contracts of a platform. So we have rules, like we have editorial guidelines at consensus. We can't just make everybody's information available. That's what internet does, right? I mean, you're free to start your own platform. But if you choose to join a plat platform, you have to abide by the rules of the platform. And that's not censorship. That's just a, a contract that you agree to, or you're free not to agree to. You still have your freedom of speech. You just can't have the freedom of speech on that platform. So I think that's, that's the source of a lot of, lot of the con confusion. And yes, we, we are doing censorship in that sense that we're not going to make everybody's voice available through our platform. However, that does not impede their freedom of speech because they don't have freedom to publish anything they want on our platform because we make the rules and you don't have to have to agree with, the, with our rules. Then you just, you can do it on your own or use a different platform. Yeah, but it's a, it's a very delicate line to walk, even in inside uh, Bitcoin only. There are still certain ideas that may or may not be um, accepted or, yeah, it's, it's just a weird position. Yeah, I mean, like, let's think about Bitcoin for a second, like, it's, it's often Bitcoin proponents say that Bitcoin is a censorship-free uh, platform, but actually it's just censorship-resistant. So that doesn't mean that bit in Bitcoin network, there's no ability to censor transactions, for example. There is. It's just uh, it allows that. It, it can handle it. It can handle bad actors. Censorship, as, as, as it is, it can never be eradicated. Like that would be censorship, right? I mean, it's censorship in a way is, is, uh, within freedom of speech. Like you, you can say that you can't say that you can't ban somebody from banning somebody because that's yeah. free. That's freedom. Like you have the freedom to act retardedly 
like you, you <laughs> that's that's your freedom and uh you know i'll uh i'll die protecting that hill of freedom of speech like you you have the right to make bad calls and carry the responsibility and the weight of of those calls and i guess our role is just to do what we think is right and not everybody's ever going to agree and that's fine that's that's not what consensus is consensus is not that everybody agrees it's just something that enough people gravitate towards and just like bitcoin like not everybody most people don't agree with the value propo- proposition of the network but that doesn't mean it doesn't exist and doesn't provide value just to those who who want to use bitcoin or those who want to use consensus they are free to do so within the rules of of the of the network rough consensus we need we need to improve on 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 a, on a lot of aspects i think yeah i mean for, for sure i mean we, we've been operating only for a little bit over three years so it's uh it's a startup where we're only only getting started and seems like every year is uh, crazier than the last one i don't know we'll, we'll see i'm i'm just excited to be on on this journey and i'm nowhere near done i mean only only getting started and people like you joining in it just makes me completely bullish about the not only bitcoin but also entrepreneurship in general life in general like what we can build together with division of labor and you know freedom freedom of speech freedom of doing whatever the hell you want to do without anybody telling you can't do that and we'll just uh we'll just find more people who agree with with what we think is right and we change our model all the time we change our rules all the time once we get more data more people join the network just like bitcoin it's it's not like it's it's the same as you know 10 years ago it keeps evolving and new challenges emerge new new attack vectors new new needs in the from the market emerges so we adapt to those and that's that's beautiful it's it's organic it's just life maybe we can wrap up with uh, your vision for consensus what what are you most excited about and what are you developing and what are you working on right now? So for this year, I hope that we can really um, move the project management to uh, new candidates in, in the different language regions where we have people that we trust, the editors and project managers that I hope that I can give that a bit way and hope some of the other things, uh, mainly accounting in the coming weeks and months. Um, try and try to give more visibility into our operation to, uh, to the important people who are working for us. I mean, they deserve, uh, that information. So we, we need to give it. So yeah, from, from the accounting system, then also flows more options where we can uh, move to more frequent payout for contributors and authors. I think that's a really important thing that we need to. We need to get done this year and moving from paying once a year to contributors to works uh, monthly. Of course, there's like when you work with Amazon, they delay and you have to wait until the end of the month. But the more we go towards audiobooks on our own platform, ebooks, um, and we can actually 
start moving towards even faster payouts if we have that whole system in place so we could theoretically lighten would enable us to basically stream the sats when 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 ebooks or or, or uh audiobooks are sold it could go straight to all the parties involved a bit like the value for value model that people uh, all the hype but uh, we we do have a role in, in that or, or there is stuff we can do or, or we can experiment with. I'm not sure how it's going to look, but it's something that we, we should explore. And then yeah, how does consensus look? Well, we need, we need, we need to focus more on, on the original titles. It's new for us, right? We've only done two to three now. So I think we have a lot to prove, but I see, I already see some, some key starfish uh, coming up that are going to help us there. And, um, yeah, we need to build out that market, show to the world that uh, we offer value to, uh, to authors and, uh, just continue to build into, uh, more focus on quality. And I think we need to also get more graphic designers involved and like make every book really piece of art. Yeah. There's just so much, it's too much. There's too much to do, but, uh, that, that's what makes it fun. Right. Um, and we'll see, we'll see where, uh, where we end up also non Bitcoin books doing more, uh, yeah, obvi- the obvious uh, topics are Bitcoin economics freedom, but there's, there's so much more that is like tangential to Bitcoin where where we also could be like a venue where like the ideas that don't get, get published elsewhere, like, or about health or about uh, agriculture or privacy, or I don't know, just, yeah, there's, uh, there's a lot to do. Right. Uh, and, um, I hope we can find more people that join us. It's not easy during the bear market, right? The interest from, from star faces correlated to the price. And so, uh, but yeah, the people we have now, uh, like if you're, if you're with us now, I think, uh, it says a lot about why you're in this and, uh, it's a good place to be. Like you have, uh, we have, we have a great team and, um, yeah, I, I just hope we can, um, keep everyone involved and, um, uh, first focus is to give more information about how we operate and, and, um, some more insights into, uh, to the numbers because yeah. we lack that internally. That's what I'm focusing on now. Yeah, well said. Um, it is kind of overwhelming sometimes. There's, it seems like there's more and more work that needs to be done. And, uh, in the bear market, I've actually been happy with the, with the engagement that we've been getting and new people coming in, especially for original works maybe the translation side has been uh, dying down with the with the bitcoin price a little bit but that's to be expected um i i think going forward the people who who truly get what we're doing here they will emerge especially in the bear markets because it's so mostly signal uh, out there and and mostly people are focusing on building that's what i like about bear markets. And when, once the bull market is there, there's a lot of uh, hype and excitement and maybe people buy books and then put them in the shelves and and never read them. 
but and and people are more inclined to spend their sets when when the price is going up obviously but that being said i've i've, I've been happy to like last year was surprisingly good considering everything and and i think um yeah we're doing just fine more people yeah, are joining in that's a, a really good point it feels like it's it's a bear market only in um, price when just not about consensus, but when you see the activity that is going on everywhere, so much to do uh, and all, on all fronts. And uh, by the end of the year, things are going to look uh, completely different again. Yep. Looking forward to that. So for the end, do you want to share any, any details of if people want to get in touch with you, your Twitter or anything like that? Um, yeah, my Twitter handle, Twitter handle is Sovereign Hodl. For Sovereign Hodlu, Kandi Mohammed now. So, yeah, that's the only place. And if you want to reach out, you can find me there or in the Consensus Network. Yeah, on Telegram. Everybody who's in our Telegram groups probably knows Tibot already. Yeah. I live there. Yeah. Yeah, same with me. All right, Tibot, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for joining in and, and thank you for joining Consensus. Couldn't, couldn't do this without you, definitely. Yeah, thanks for having me on and uh, talk later. Yep. Bye-bye. Bye.